The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. TV party tonight! TV party tonight! Oh, we got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Don't want to talk about anything else. We don't want to know. We're dedicated to our favorite shows. Oh, my tickets! Everybody loves your photos! Gary Dog! Dancing at Blurred And hello and good evening and welcome to TV Party Tonight. I'm your host, Alexis Haina. And hey, all X-Wings, check, uh, standing by, check in. Red 2, standing by. Red 3, standing by. Red 4, standing by. All right. I honestly thought that was going to be funnier than it was. Apparently I was wrong. <laughs> but if you can't tell, we're talking Star Wars tonight specifically. We are talking Andor. This is the new series from... Maybe help if I actually had the credits here ready to go. Wow. Try to be professional for once in your life, Alexis. From Lucasfilm and airing on Disney+. Plus. This is the uh, first season that just looks at the life of the main character. Oh, hang on. Dave is bringing in a prop. No, no, no. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that later. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were bringing in a prop to help me get in the mood or something. Or help all of us get in the mood, I guess. All right. So, yes, this series looks at Cassian Andor, one of the main characters from uh, Rogue One, and how he fell into the life of a rebel who would ultimately give everything for the cause against the Empire. I'm joined tonight uh, by Mr. Vincent Van Spock. Hello. How are you? Hello. Oh, my God, if I can talk. Live long and prosper, and may the Force be with you. So conflicted right now. <laughs> feeling conflicted down there david wright hello david happy to have you back on the show nice to be here i am setting s foils in attack position <laughs> oh okay there we go <laughs> that's cool i love it very nice very cool and from geek news now andrew orozco hello andrew Hello, good evening. Happy to be here reporting from Hoth, as you can see. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to fix this and get this all done before you slowly freeze to death. <laughs> Hoth, more like cold. <laughs> I love that. What the hell is an aluminum falcon? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no tauntaun for you to uh, bisect open and crawl inside. No, but have you seen that that is like a sleeping bag option? Oh, yeah. I love that thing. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. great. Yeah. It's don't funny. you hate that all that stuff came out after we've got reached the age where we couldn't go to slumber parties anymore? It's, it's like, worst. why wasn't that around when we were kids? <laughs> well, just have to settle for arrested development. <laughs> Touche. 
Okay, so yes, Andor takes place uh, five years before the events of Rogue One in A New Hope, follows an ensemble cast of characters during the time that uh, Rebel Alliance is just starting to form in opposition to the Galactic Empire. Of course, one of these characters is Cassian Andor, played again by Diego Luna, a thief who becomes a revolutionary and eventually joins the Rebellion. I think a lot of people were surprised that this was an ensemble cast. I think a lot of us went in thinking this was going to focus like primarily on Andor, but in, in a way, he's not even like an active main character. He's more of the catalyst that kicks so much of this, I would say, into action. He does a handful of things, but a lot of what happens is it's because of him, but not directly his actions it's more of just what happens around him that leads to this it's a very fascinating story uh one of the big things that was a real takeaway from this was that this is a very very different style star wars uh uh, series when we think star wars we think sci-fi fantasy we think the lightsabers the jedi the force baby yoda all of that kind of stuff this is a series that goes in more the way of an espionage thriller and considering that it was uh put together by tony gilroy who uh gave us the screenplays for the original born trilogy wrote and direct the fourth born legacy and also run directed michael clayton and duplicity not that big of a surprise this is clearly his wheelhouse he also did uh some rewrites on rogue one so it's clear that it was a smart idea to put this back in his hands he knows what he's doing but again this is a very very different style than what we've seen with star wars and i know there was a lot of people who were admittedly a little upset about that you know again when we think star wars we want our lightsaber battles we want our mandalorians we want to see just more the fantasy epic and the fact is that this show is not only no jedi no lightsabers no force there's also very little i would say in outer space we have like two maybe three major space fights and a lot of it it takes place on different planets but you just see them kind of coming and going you could argue that if you didn't know this you would think that it's just all on one planet and we got a comment from derpy 501st okay uh mr (laughs) mr derpy 501st i will gladly hear you out as soon as you add in your next comment i will post it after checking it first we've learned i just put it all together (laughs) I don't know, but yeah, sorry, Derpy. I have to check all the comments because the last time that Mark didn't check the comments, we ended up with a phrase that got us severely in trouble on YouTube. So we're not going to do that again. <laughs> it reminds me of like when people text like just your name and it's like, yeah, like just <laughs> send it all at once. Why are you like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So. So, David, you were one of the first to approach me asking if we were going to review uh, Andor, and you wanted in on this. Tell me, what was it about the series that got your attention? I mean, other than, you know, oh, gee, I wonder if he's a Star Wars fan, judging from all the memorabilia behind you. Yeah, it's it's subtle, isn't it? Just a touch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my philosophy is I usually try and, like, let's talk about stuff I'm actually watching, because then, you know, like, it's, it's very easy to schedule that way. Uh, for me, it was like I started watching the show and I just could not get into the pacing. Like th- there, there are tectonic plates that move faster than hmm. the first nine episodes of this show. 
no and, argument there. And, and we'll get yeah. back to the pacing here. And, and I'm, I'm not even going up to so where are the lightsaber battles and everything. No, this is just like flow of storytelling. Like you look at Game of Thrones, like, yes, there's action in Game of Thrones, but there's not that much. A lot of it is still people talking and standing around or walking places. And it's mm -hmm. still able to be compelling just at that. But uh, we'll get more into that later. So I was kind of watching the show. And it's like, man, this is this is just a slog. Like, it's not terrible. It's just, you know, three episodes to get off of a planet, like before anything really like kicks off. And there's not really a lot in there to really keep me going. But then I go into my YouTube and it's like, Andor is the best Star Wars since Empire. You know, five amazing things that Andor does that just blows you away. And I'm like, I am missing something here and I need to talk about it. Maybe someone can tell me like why, why people are losing their minds over this show. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to stay awake here, guys. But I, I would say that in the, like the last three episodes, it kind of really, really seemed to get moving then. All right, so yes, we got a continuation here. Andor was better than Mando. Yeah, I said it. This is Derpy's comments, folks. So if you're mm -hmm. listening, this wasn't me. This was him. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it more than Mando, but with Andor, it didn't need toy merchandise to carry it and get a season two, just saying. And there is some <laughs> truth to that. With the exception of B2 Emo, there really isn't much that we can merchandise off of Andor. Uh, after watching Andor, which the directors and writer did, what is the unfortunate consequence of the Disney cash grab, the sequels? Did I read that wrong? Or is there a... No, the... that's, no, no that, that, that's how it's written. Okay, I was Don't like, wait know. a minute. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he was trying to say that after seeing what they did with Andor, it was good compared to the unfortunate mess that was what they did with the... C, the Sequel trilogy. sequel trilogy yeah. yeah as in better this is better than the sequel trilogy and he wishes that's what they had done instead of the sequel trilogy well let, let me know let me know derpy if i got you right there well get, being better in the sequel trilogy is about as low of a hurdle as actually you know being taller than tom cruise yeah not that much of an accomplishment <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the pacing is something that I think a lot of us did have problems with. Again, I, I binged this all over one weekend and I was warned. It was someone who said, it's like, you know, get, it's like, wait till at least episode five. And even then by episode five, I was like, is something going to happen? No, it wasn't just me. Thank goodness. No, you were not alone. Uh, Mr. Van Spock, what were your thoughts on uh, the, the the pacing and just what drew you in? Because I think we're all in agreement. And if you're, if you're disagreeing about the pacing, please let us know. No, you're absolutely right about the pacing. Um, what drew me into the whole situation was that it had a very Blade Runner-esque feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, the music, the look of the, the initial city that he walks into and kills those two guys in. Um, it just all seemed very Blade Runner-esque to me. And Blade Runner is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm -hmm. So that drew me in first. And then we got to episode three. And episode three, I think, is something we're all forgetting about because they have this moment in there where everybody's banging on the metal to tell the rest of the town the Empire's here. Well, not the Empire, but they're hired goons, I guess. And that right there, that moment, when all of a sudden the music stops, the banging stops, and the, the firefight begins, explosions happen, the, everything happens to these poor security guards who are just trying to do their job. And I do say it like that because that's what they were. They were security guards. They weren't Empire. They were just hired goons. 
Yeah, corporate um, security, I think, was what they called them. Yeah, they're like exactly. PM, PMCs or private security, something like outsourcing. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so these guys, the the shit hits the fan for them, and the, everything goes tits up for all of them. And we're getting to learn some of these guys' characters and backstories and whatnot. And it's really kind of messed up for these guys. One of the main actors, I can't remember his name, um, but he said that he studied the brown shirts from the Nazis back in the day and how they were literally just told to do their job. They had no idea why they were doing it or what they were doing it. They weren't there for any sort of ideological reason. They just did their job. And that's what a lot of people died from is these brown shirts. And that's what he studied for that role. Um, We don't ever really get to see, at least as far as I can remember, it's been a while since I watched episode three, but we don't get to see the, the security, the corporate security guards, do anything particularly evil um if i'm wrong about that please let me know but episode three is really where i got hooked into it because i wanted to see more of these guys who were going to rebel against anybody and everybody that walked into their town and you didn't get to see a whole lot of that until the very last episode and then you the only other good parts in my opinion of the show was in episode uh, 10 when um they break out of the prison um, other than that, the slow show was pretty slow overall. Uh, pacing was a little rough. It's a very political show. So if you're into that kind of thing, then this might be the show for you. It might be the Star Wars for you. However, I happen to think that Mandalorian was better, not because of the fan service, but because of the very similar aspects to Lone Wolf and Cub, which is some of my favorite Japanese TV that I've ever watched in my life. But Absolutely. Yeah, so new comment from uh, Derpy501. First, I enjoyed the pace. I thought of it as Star Wars that was different enough where the show and is the content we waited for, wanted for a while, wow. away from the Skywalker era somewhat for once. And yeah, there is some truth to that. I know a lot of fans have been saying they want to see more of the Star Wars universe, not just how it revolves around the immediate acquaintances and family of Luke Skywalker. We know this that's kind of what they were trying to go with originally after Last Jedi, and then Kathleen Kennedy said, plan? What plan? And everything got shot in the foot. What about you, Andrew? Uh, when did the show really start picking up for you? Was it episode three, or when did you really start to feel like this was getting good? For me, it was, I think, around episode five. Like, it's it was very clear. I imagine that the writers in Disney Plus must have kind of predicted that people would feel a little ambivalent about the first three episodes. That's probably why they pushed all three at mm-hmm. first, just because, like, if we were waiting for episode one and then a week later, episode two, like, so many, more people would have dropped off. So that was smart to kind of just front load that and kind of just get it out there so that you at least have the hype in episode three with action and stuff like that. But episode five, when we're introduced to, um, let me not introduce, I should say, but once we kind of get to know of the band of characters that Andor's with, with, uh, the, uh, ver- the manifesto writing, uh, I can't remember his name. Menic, Menic, Nemic, Nemic, something like Nemic. That? Yes. Yeah. I love that character. So once he started like, kind of t- like, he's like very like hyper and like, kind of like, I don't know if he has like this ADHD thing going on, but like, he's very, He's he's on something, right? But like how he's like a tr- like we're introduced to these characters who all have like different reasons. Some of them not so good reasons. And Menik is kind of like the he's the idealist, right? He's like the idealist. He's the uh, what you call like the heart of like the movement, right? Mm-hmm. And like when we were introduced to him, he's kind of like he's like talking up Andor about all his thoughts. I was like, oh, like this this has this show has something to say. And I'm like, okay, th- um, that's where I was kind of d- dialed in. 
And then once they pulled off the Aldani heist, like the episode six, I'm like, like you got it. You won me over finally. Because on episode three and four, I was kind of uh, a little iffy, a little iffy. Five and six really like cemented like, okay, like now I'm actually looking for, I'm going to watch it at midnight and not just wait till the next day like I did for the previous two weeks. So five is about when I, when I came around on it. Yeah. By the way, I'm sorry, Mr. Spock. Do we have another guest coming in? <laughs> yeah, this is Taco Bell. Um, he's a little Chihuahua uh, beagle mix, I believe. And he, he has decided he wants to be in my lap, which is surprising because usually when my aunt is gone, he hides under the blanket. Aw, he's adorable. I, I love how his wagging tail is destroying the keying frame behind you. Sorry about that. No, that's, that's adorable. <laughs> Anyone who's followed uh, our show for a while knows that before I had set up my little station here, I used to sit on the floor in front of my couch because that was where the best lighting was. And my dogs would often climb on the couch behind me. And by the time the show was over, they were like biting and pulling on me to get off camera. <laughs> so yeah uh, all pets are always welcome uh, on the rattle and broadcasting network funny that's what he thinks too all pets are always welcome <laughs> oh man that would be awesome yeah, I'm gonna, be, be I got another comment here from Derpy. Imagine a show like Andor with writing, pace, and direction, but for an old Republic series or movie, one can wish. That is actually something I think a lot of us want to see more of. Considering the Knights of the Old Republic uh, video games and the popularity of them, I think a lot of us would actually like to see some more of that time period. I think that oh. was actually a way that Disney should really look at. I don't know if the pacing would work for a movie, though. For a show, sure, but I don't, I don't think that would work for a movie. I, th yeah. I think most people can yeah, tune out. I'm I'm okay with all these comments except for the pacing. Like I think the the pacing has killed the show for a lot of people, and I guess I don't. We don't really do the money on this podcast, but I think that's that's kind of where where if 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 something makes sure that Andor doesn't get to season two, it'll be that so many people dropped the show because the pacing was so slow before it picked up. Uh well we are getting a season two. Uh, let's okay, see well, here. Good. They already started. They already started production. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All pacing aside, this show is a masterclass in acting and character mm -hmm. design. Like these characters from the ground up are phenomenal. Every single one of them is built up, is unique, is interesting, and you you care about them almost instantly. Definitely. These are all very well-developed characters. No, Everyone on this show leaves an impression, even if they're only on for like two episodes. We all remember these. Now, I'm not going to say we all remember their names because, no. you know, in traditional Star Wars fashion, we've got a lot of very bizarre names. Uh, but just once, yeah. just once I'd like there to be like, a, you know, what's your name? My name's Tom Smith. It's like, what a weird name. <laughs> what do you think, Flargnu Bargnock? It's like, yeah, yeah, Tom. Who, who names our kid Tom? He must have been like beaten up in school every day. They do that in the Orville if you haven't seen that show. Oh, I've seen all your, yeah. Another comment from Derpy. I just like the adult tone for Andor a lot very much. Yeah, this is a very adult tone. And I will say that if you're someone who likes more of the fast pace, or if you're into the younger audience, or if you are the younger audience kind of thing from the Mandalorian, then yeah, maybe Andor's not going to really float your boat. And that's fine. That's fine, you know. Uh, this was not made for the same audience who watch Mando and Grogu. <laughs> so... 
But yes, uh, the second season will consist of another 12 episodes. Uh, Gilroy is expecting to release it in late 2024. Mm-hmm. So another really great thing about the show is that uh, obviously CGI was involved, but there was very limited uh, CGI, especially with the set designs and the locations. They went on location for a lot of places. Uh, I got a quote here from Diego Luna. Who talked about they were filming in Scotland. Now, I'm going to take a wild guess here that that was the shot of them in the mountains uh, before the heist. Yeah, the heist planet was probably done in Scotland. I would take a wild guess. And he actually said that they had to walk up mountains for hours just to get a, get one particular shot. The dam was also a real location in Scotland. Hmm. Apparently, most of uh, Ferrix was uh, built sets. Uh, the actress who played Marva, Fiona Shaw, talked about how amazing she loved the set for her house because it was actually designed to look like it had been built out of the remnants of old spaceships. Just, mm-hmm. just crazy, crazy clever. Uh, let's see here. Derpy here says, from what I've heard, season two will start a year later yeah. after the events of season one mm-hmm. finale, and there will be a lot of time jumps leading into Rogue One. And that's actually the other thing that we got to figure out is how many seasons they can squeeze out of Andor because they've only got a five year period before, spoiler alert, Cassian Andor's dead. They've only, I think they only said they're only doing two, like only, no matter what. Okay, it's possible. So, again, we got some really great characters here, and we actually also have two really interesting villains. And I want to go around, I want to ask you guys, who do you think was the better bad guy? Was it Cyril Khan or uh, Dedra Miro? Um, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and start? Dedra. Clear, Dedra. Cyril, I have... Cyril is just such a weird character. He's... I... I remember seeing the first three episodes thinking like, okay, this is going to be like the persistent, like bad guy throughout the entire 12 episode arc. And like, there is some episodes where he just barely even shows up at all. Where like he does the moat where he kind of goes back to his mom with his tail between his legs and kind of just like has a like middle manager midlife crisis kind of thing going on, sipping on his cereal and get relying on his uncle for connections to get like another job. Like, Cyril is just such a weird character, and like his obsession with Dedra is just really weird too. I think it's kind of kind of comes off as really creepy after the first three episodes. Uh, Dedra is someone who is very intimidating. She's v- someone who's very ambitious. She's like she does everything to kind of rise above her station, and she's someone who's very competent, very competent. And like how we kind of have like we I like how we get some of the imperial intrigue with where she's has like she has some friction with this other guy I forget the guy's name but the other guy in charge of the other sector, and they he's kind of like oh like you're new right like like he, like oh like you don't know how we kind of do things around here and like how she's very determined right she 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 uh, interrogates Karn she does a lot to kind of you know she goes through the proper channels and stuff to kind of sidestep this guy and then we see that from the. Um, I forget the guy's name. It begins with a P. Uh, but the the one who's in charge of the IB, uh, the, uh, the ISB. 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 I about the ear real bad. I think of it. <laughs> ISB, how he kind of like praises her. Like, oh, like I wish we all, everyone here showed that kind of initiative. But And then like on, on their way, he's like, Dedra, walk with me. 
And he's like, oh, like that was very good. He's like, they watch your back, right? Because they, they they eat their own in the Empire, right? Mm-hmm. So I think she's way more compelling as a villain than Karn is. All right, David. Uh, yeah, I would say again, was it De- Deirdre? Gone, whatever. Yeah. It, it's it looks like it's spelled Dedra, but I it's can't remember for life of me they ever call her Deidre or Dedra because yeah, yeah. Again, we're Dedra. we're dealing with names in Star Wars. Just try and get close. Uh, yeah, I thought her character was interesting in the start where you're kind of rooting for her as she's sort of dealing with this sort of uh, fossilized bureaucracy of the ISB where she's she's seeing the patterns between all the different sectors, but everyone else is like, no, this is the way that it's done. This is our our system. You know, don't don't rock the boat. Don't mess with our careers. And then you know, she does. And, and, and it was nice that, you know, even that she got. Yeah. Deidre was an awesome character. Thank you, Derpy. Uh, yeah, but she did get some acknowledgement from Command, and, and that kind of just felt like a real sort of realistic sort of workplace drama where you, you have those people who just, they don't care they about the big picture. They're just out for themselves. But you also have those people who do sometimes get into authority that do recognize, you know, that, that there's a new perspective, that things have to change or that they might be missing something, that, you know, they're they're open to... He's very like, okay, you have made the claim that we're doing this wrong. Where's your evidence? And then once she provides the evidence, like, okay, I think you're onto something. I'm going to entrust you with more, more stuff there. So, uh, yeah, she was, she did pretty good. And then towards the end, she turned into the more of your typical imperial mustache twirling villain. Like when she was doing the, um, you know, the interrogation near the end there with, uh, what's, what's her name? Bricks. Bricks. Bricks, yeah. And I just love that bit where she's like, are you going to tell me what I need to know? And then Bricks just goes, even if I did, would you believe me? She's like, no, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in the torturer. So it's kind of like the, the wasted time of trying to do good cop, bad cop sort of thing. But uh, yeah, and, and sort of at the end where she gets her fir- first taste of actually being in a battle and just how like the, 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 the calm exterior is just wiped away and she's just terrified. You can see the adrenaline pumping through her. She's never been in a firefight before. And I thought that was a very good direction for the character to go in. And we'll see how that ties into where she goes from there for, uh, oh geez, again, what was his name? The, the, the corporate, corporate security guy. Uh, Cyril Khan. Cyril. Yeah. Cyril. Perfect name for the character. Cyril, I kind of liked because I, I sort of know that type of character in real life. Where like I, I could sort someone of almost fill in his backstory. So I was say someone with a stick shoved so far up their plot that you're surprised they can still walk. In in a way, I'll I mean, first right of, first back, of guys, all, I gotta let the dog out. Yeah, I mean, first of all, when you meet his mother, you understand why he went to the farthest reaches of the of the empire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that 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 kid did not have a, a mentally stable upbringing. So let's just say that. Aggressive. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. like, I, I I could see in his backstory. Like, I bet this guy ap- applied to the Imperial Academy to go be basically probably an ISB agent or something, like real patriot, and he was like sectioned eight out of that. You know, I was like, sorry, kid, you don't have, you're, you don't, you don't have the stuff to be to cut it in the empire. And and then he probably went to like the actual police after that. And again, same thing. It's like, sorry, thanks for showing up, but you're not through it. So he so of course he ends up in a private security gig, and that sort of you know, he, and, and that kind of character becomes like more hardcore than the actual qualified, experienced people. You know, because they haven't really had the realities of the job explained to them. They're all running on ideology and a desire to prove themselves. 
and and yeah, like you say, you sort of end up into the in, into the, the the stick shoved up there behind uh, attitude. So I could kind of like see that in him, where he's kind of a screw up, but he's also really trying hard in his own way, and that kind of makes sense when he does meet up with Deirdre, and she sort of gives him an out, almost, except he doesn't quite get there, and you sort of see how that motivates him to sort of still stick his nose in her business, you know, much to his detriment. So I, I like that kind of character because it did feel like a very real character, like a real person, how they would handle it. And even though they're a very awkward person. Cyril's very fascinating for me just because it, it just kind of, I don't know if it makes me laugh or scratch my head about how the whole series is jumped into plot because he refuses to just go along with the easy way out that his supervisor wants. He notifies the supervisor about the two dead guards uh, that uh, Cassian killed. And he's expecting them to go after Cassian. And the boss is like, well, they were in an area they weren't supposed to be. They were flashing their... You know, their authority They've just been they, drinking, which like, they weren't supposed to do. And I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for that. So let's just say they picked, they got into a fight with someone and they lost and it was an accident. Which is exactly what it was. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But Cyril is just so gung ho about bringing Cassian in for killing these two guys who, yeah, one of them even, one of the other guards mentions like, wow, he really took a fall after what so-and-so fight or whatever it's like yeah apparently he got one hell of a demotion to be mm -hmm. down there <laughs> so these two were not even cream of the crop top of the line soldiers they were just dumbasses who decided to flex their muscle in i guess that was like a brothel or a strip yeah. club or something yeah. i think it was supposed to be a strip club as much as they could get away with but like so that just that part just kills me that it's like all of this could have been avoided if Cyril had just taken a chill pill. But no, he couldn't. Uh, also seeing a lot of comments here. Uh, Mr. Spock, I'll go ahead and throw this over to you. The, the, everyone is calling the, the big standout character actually is Kino Loy, played by Andy Serkis. We see him, he is... Uh, kind of, I guess you could say he's like the foreman at the prison that Cassian ends up in for literally just being in the wrong place at the wrong time and helps him escape. And this is a really dynamic character. Circus gives an amazing performance in nearly everything he's in. I don't think any of us can name any movie, TV show, or anything he did a bad job in. Now, we can insult the characters all we want, but the performance itself, it's like, I, can, I know we're all going to say it's like, well, what the hell was Snoke? And it's like, we... Snoke was not Circus's fault. No. That was a whole other problem there. He's only in two episodes, and he just gives such a commanding performance as this prison leader. And it's so impactful. And again, Mr. Spock, I want to go to you first talking about uh, these scenes in the prison and Andy Circus's uh, performance. Those scenes in the prison were the most captivating part of the show for me. Most of that was specifically because of Andy Serkis. And this show right here just reminded me just how good of an actor he actually is. Like, you, you don't really get to see him on camera 
by himself just as he is very often. Um, I think the first time I ever saw him without any sort of visual effects or makeup or anything like that was as Claw in the Avengers movie. Um, And then, and then in Black Panther as well. And he, he gives a phenomenal performance in that too, but this one, he, I feel like he has taken it just a step beyond in this one in Andor. He, he just blew it out of the water with this one. Um, He had that, that form and feel to him. And especially when he gets to where he has the calm system at the very end, when they're all leaving the prison and he gives that final speech about what they need to do to get out of there. That gave me goosebumps. That was so incredibly powerful the way he gave that. And like he, he hesitated to do it because that's where he spent most of his life. And you could see it that he's, do I escape? Do I actually do what these people think I should do? Or do I go back to the norm? Can I, I guess I'll just go for it. And he hits the button and he, he starts to give his speech. And it's just so incredibly powerful seeing all of those different thoughts and emotions going through Andy Serkis's head uh, as the character. A speech really was great. Derby here agrees in the chanting, one way out. One way out. And then he can't swim. And then he can't swim. <laughs> or can he? Do you guys think we're going to see him again in season two? We damn well better. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't feel it. All right. What, what what's your argument, Andrew? I just I just don't think he's going to be a character that we're going to really just see again. Just because I mean the whole dynamic of him being like such a great character has to do with the situation he's in in the prison, where I'm not sure if there's a really good reason for him to come back after that. And then especially if he if that's I think it's supposed to be his send off though. I think it's kind of anticlimactic in a way. But the whole I can't swim thing. I either he dies trying or he's still stuck there when the Imperials eventually retake the facility. So I just, I don't see it, but I I would like to be pleasantly surprised. I would like to see him come back, but I just don't think so. What do you think, David? Uh, Yeah. He could come back if anything, due to just the fan reaction. And also you don't want to waste a a good Andy circus on anything, even a bit part. Uh, there certainly are ways they could bring him back. Maybe he, there, there was another angle to his character where he was pretending he couldn't swim, or perhaps he just tried to swim and figured it out. You know, literal sink or swim situation. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think Circus did a good job showing a man who was just so desperate to finish his time and get out and follow the rules and wouldn't tolerate any any deviation from that plan. And it's only at the end where he realizes he's not getting out. Like for me, like the best the best moment of his performance was at the end of I think episode nine, where you know they they've got the the reveal that no one gets out of the prison; they're just reassigned. And as they're walking back to their cells, Cassian asks him for like the fifth time, "How many guards on each level?" And just says, "No more than 12. And just it, you can just hear it in his voice, like "Screw it, let's go for it." Yeah, just that I give up. I'm in. Yeah, the prison was, I think, one of the most terrifying concepts we have ever seen in a Star Wars universe. The fact that the way they keep them all in is none of them wearing shoes, none of the prisoners mm-hmm. are allowed shoes, and the floors are electrified, and it's just downright scary. The you know we have a night where one of the um, prisoners either sleepwalks, falls out of his bunk, or essentially just says i can't take it anymore 
and ends up on the floor and dies. It's it's terrifying just to think that something like that could happen. Especially since, again, every, we can see the majority of what's happened in the prison is not really that well observed or watched. You know, they've got a couple of guards keeping an eye on things. But like I said, there's no more than 12 on every floor. It's minimal. Everything is essentially run by the computer. So there is very little, uh, you know, authority there to talk to or try to make things better. They don't care. Yeah, well, even Cassian makes a big deal out of that when, uh, you know, Andy Serkis is telling him, like, you you watch your mouth, don't say it. He's like, what? They're not listening. They don't care about us. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as long as we don't actually, like, cause any trouble, they, they're leaving us alone. Another comment from, Dur from Derpy. Honestly, after watching Andor, I'm more excited for season two of Andor and Ahsoka more than anything in Mando, because Mando is just going to, Mando being family-friendly, Darksaber, and... Bo-Katan angry. I'm, yeah, that's Bo-Katan. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> but we'll talk about that next year because uh, Mandalorian Season 3 is coming, is supposed to premiere in March, I think is what was announced, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I'm getting all my release dates mixed up and I'm still trying to get everything ready in time for Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, that scene was that whole uh, scenario was very compelling. We also get a lot of really interesting characters. We get freaking uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh my God, the standout. Very yeah, yeah. much so. After playing a, a really great role in the Thor and uh, Avengers movies, but comes in as, what's his character? Luthen Rail? Rail, I think is how it's pronounced. Yeah. I just call him Stellan Skarsgård. Let's be honest, his real name fits Star Wars too. Actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No argument there. It should be switched around. Luthen should be his real name. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And I think another part of the show that it really highlights is Luthen and his deals with uh, Malmatra, who it's great to see uh, her come back. We have the actress who played her in, oh my God, what previous? Rogue One and the deleted scenes for Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Thank you. Couldn't remember which movie. And Again, I think that's an interesting aspect is that when we've talked about the rebellion in Star Wars, it's always been from a very action-packed mm -hmm. angle. We get a lot of starfights. We get the Jedi. This is, I don't like to call this realistic, but I think it's as realistic as you can get. Because we have Luthen and Momothra trying to fund the rebellion without getting caught and i love just the line it's like we don't need more people we need money because yeah the rebellion can't just be run on hopes and dreams they need money they need supplies they need food they need medicine you know they need all of this and there's a great scene with um well, Mothra, she's at a party with a bunch of i guess i don't know if there were other senators or just you know the empire the, officials yeah yeah just or just the rich and they're talking about all the new restrictions uh, that the Empire is putting in place and how they're just getting a little out of control about it. And these upper class wealthy are saying it's just like, well, if you have done nothing wrong, you have nothing to fear. And you realize they have no grasp of what is actually happening to the average person on the street. They are so lost in their little world that they are just completely oblivious and the actress playing Momothra 
is really great because you can tell she's trying so hard not to give anything away. She has to maintain this image of the very privileged senator, but inside she's screaming. You know, she is just miserable about this. Um, Andrew, you're nodding. You want to step in? Yeah, I, I, um, Mon Mothma, like a character who, like, oh, I'm sorry, am I saying Mothra or Mothma? You were saying Mothra. Mothra. I was thinking like Godzilla or something, but yeah. Mothma. Yeah. Mothma. No, that would be an awesome, awesome uh, crossover. <laughs> There's um, too many fandoms. I'm mixing up the names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mon Mothma prior to this is a very, very minor character in Star Wars. I mean, for the longest time, she was just known as the other woman in, in this galaxy besides Leia. And so seeing her here and she's like in a very precarious situation because like it's funny how we see Andor and the other characters who are like putting their, you know, their lives on the line in a physical sense. She is like in the belly of the beast. She is on Coruscant, like in the heart of the Empire. And she doesn't know who she can trust. She doesn't know who's like who like might, you know, um, she has a great line of, uh, later on about how like as if if people can just focus on the annoying things she does. They don't see the, I think she says like the knife that she has at their throat or something like that, or she's very much like you're, like you're saying, she's trying to fund this. She's trying to fund the rebellion. She knows she's being watched. She doesn't trust her limo driver. Right. She has to like, they use coded speak when she visits Luthen. Like everything's like in terms of like antique antiques and like, it's just kind of like double speak and just innuendo i mean not sexual kind but you know regular innuendo and stuff and she's just mm -hmm. kind of like maneuvering and she has her her very like her her husband who really doesn't give a damn about anything he's kind of just like cozying up she's like you invited like like such and such like like they like they can't stand me or like they're, they're my like political opponents and he's kind of just he's just like living the good life and he doesn't really care too much about politics he just cares about like schmoozing and drinking and everything but she's like very much see she's aware of all the stuff that's going on with the empire and how it's like slowly choking and destroying the galaxy and she's like she's when she meets her friend um the guy she hasn't seen a long time i can't remember his name it's like tau tau something i forget the, the banking the banking guy mm -hmm. and she's the like good banking guy not the sleazy banking guy right hey, the first one yeah and she's trying to figure out like is this someone who i can trust and she even asks like like She's like, like, she's like, walk with me. Like, just like, oh, pretend to laugh at something I just said. Like, because you can see like there's all these imperial like bureaucrats around her. And she's playing a very dangerous game. She's asked, she's trying to like probe and see who can, like, can she trust him? And he's like, oh, like, you don't want to know my political thoughts. They're like very like radical. And then she's like, okay, like this is someone who's good, who could be in my corner. Right. And we have the knowledge of how the, the empire is poking into her banks, like, bank accounts, trying to see what she's doing. And she's just funding a bunch of like, petty like charities and like other things that are annoyances to the empire because as long as they think she's being like just only on the surface like doing annoying things like she can fund her secret rebellion off to the side and i my, all the scenes with mon mothma for me are probably the most compelling and the fun to watch i'm i love the politics of star wars when star wars when it's done right i really love the politics of star wars so see i could never imagine like they would make mon mothma such an interesting character just because of all the stuff we've seen of her before Definitely. I mean, yeah, this is a character that I don't think any of us ever would have predicted. They would have really expanded on after seeing her in, uh, it was Return of the yeah, Return of the Jedi is where she first appeared, technically, in the uh, movies. Mm -hmm. 
Got another comment from Mr. Derby. I'm actually very interested in how Mom Mothma will be affected in the time jumps because of what you're discussing now. She has a lot to lose and pretty much did in the series. Yeah, she's already losing her daughter. She's pretty much going to mm -hmm. have to betroth her to this slimy banker's son just to get the loan so that she can make sure that the Empire doesn't notice the massive amount of cash that's currently missing. And that's a that's a big that's I mean, what I love so much about this show is how like it sort of humanizes the rebellion, but also it shows that none of our like heroes or anybody on the side of the rebellion is necessarily squeaky clean. Because having to like do that to your daughter just to like I mean there's that conversation she has with the banker where he's where he's like, I just want introduction, and she's like, No, like no, like we're not doing that. And he's and and like she and he says something about how like that's like the first like she's like, Oh, I wouldn't think about it. And he's like, Oh, that's like the first lie you told tonight, where like like he knows he she has thought about it because she kind of hesitates a little and that she basically has to do this unthinkable thing just to keep the rebellion alive. And we have the same thing later, not to go too far into it, but with Luthen, where he has that that amazing speech of all the stuff he's had to do, like conscious wise for his soul, just to keep this rebellion going. And it's like, like no one gets out of this clean. I love that. Very true. Yeah, I, I didn't quite buy the Luthen speech at the end. Oh, I, I believe that he believed what he was saying, but just like the, the guy in the elevator, it's like, yeah, like what you have sacrificed is having to make other people sacrifice, and that really makes you feel bad about yourself. You know, I'm, I'm kind of not really going to feel too sorry for you. It's like, you know, you know like, what if, like I'm, I'm sacrificing my daughter's future. What are you sacrificing? Well, I'm sacrificing making you sacrifice your daughter's future. Like, okay, I'm me and her are still the ones paying the price for that. You just feel really bad. Very true. Okay, so hang on. So let me go through. I was had a note here. What was I trying? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, while you're doing that on the go Mon Mothma ahead. front, yeah, I didn't quite get into the Mon Mothma storyline as much as you guys did. I didn't hate it, but I just kind of found it to be kind of dry. And I was sort of thinking today, like, maybe if they didn't done a bit more the actual politics as opposed to just the dinner party aspect of it that might have helped out. Like we did get that one scene where she's proposing legislation in the Senate and you just see like each of the little capsules or whatever platforms that they go in and, and the Lots. lights turning off one after another sort of uh, as they're abandoning her or not even bothering listening to her. Like that was a cool scene mm -hmm. and it was a really neat use of the, the Senate. Very uh, painful scene done. as well. Yeah, yeah it was painful and, yeah, and I think he's imploring think... them to have sympathy. And you can hear there's some people saying, listen to her. But yeah. the, it, well, you know what's louder than them? The clicks of all the other senators saying, don't care. Yeah, ignore, unfollow. I thought <laughs> I thought part of that was because they were all receiving the news of the Aldani heist, like in real time. Well, that might have been part of it too. But I think it would have been nice if we had maybe, other than her saying, like, oh, don't invite him. I don't like him or we're rivals. Maybe actually have the two of them talking about stuff start to see some of the different factions within the Senate, uh, maybe have her meet up with like Senator Amad, uh, not Amadala, sorry, uh, Organa. Mm. You know, like, because like, he, he always seems to be good to come back. Uh, you know, I like, like kind of give us Jimmy a bit Smith's of- Jimmy Smith always needs a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like I'd almost sort of say like, maybe instead of having this be Mon Mothma is already bankrolling the rebellion, have this her trying to save what's left of the Senate. And then in the end, she realizes that you- you can't stop the empire through politics. Like we're going to have to have to fund a rebellion here. And that could be her 
end point for the season. I mean, not to say that what they did was bad. It's just that was kind of my my sort of thoughts on maybe that would have been have made it a bit more uh, compelling for me. As weird as it sounds, I want to see more of the disillusion of the Senate. In mm-hmm. the uh, in a new hope, we get a line from I think it's Tarkin who says something to the effect of the set, like the emperor has just officially dissolved the Senate yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And the regional governors take over administration of their territories, something like that. Yeah. 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 It's like, mm-hmm. we all know that scene and I know most of us have it memorized. I just can't think of it for the life of me exactly <laughs> how it's phrased. Yeah. Mostly because I, I hate to say, it, I know that scene mostly because um, the, twisted tunes uh performance that they did at a comic-con they had they brought in rob paulson tara strong and jess harnell to read those lines and they the most of the lines were being done as yakko and wacko warner (laughs) so it's like i can't hear that and not hear wacko warner saying it and that's a fox property I watch too many cartoons. It is your wheelhouse. It is. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about what we want to see in the upcoming second season. You know, again, we have a general idea of where things are going. We know there's some other things they could start to bring in. Uh, Mr. Spock, what would you like to see done in the second season of Andor? Well, I want to bring back Andy Serkis and I want to (laughs) see a fish out of water scenario for him in that especially because he can't swim yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> everyone i'll be here all night that's good uh so i want to see him trying to struggle to adapt to society outside of the uh, prison having him without any sort of authority trying to become a member of these um rogues gallery of people against the empire and trying to pick up his his pieces of his life from where he hasn't really had it at all. I think that would be a, a very compelling part to this story is bringing him into it and continuing his aspect of it. All right. Um, Andrew, what do you want to see? Um, hmm. For second season of Andor, I guess I, I know for, I know they already confirmed that we're going to see like the Yavin base and everything. We're going to see Yavin. So I would like to see how like they establish that. I want to see Mon Mothma actually have to join the rebellion proper, like where she is no longer a like public figure. Cause I imagine she's going to have to, at some point just either screw up or the empire gets wise to her and she's going to have to become like a gorilla fighter kind of thing. You know, we never see her like fight, but I imagine she's going to have to, you know, go into, like some kind of covert position where she's going to have to probably be away from her family. I met, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to her family. We know like when we see her later on, I, we don't know actually, but it's heavily implied that she's kind of just on her own. So you have to imagine they're either going to like disown her or her family might be imprisoned or might be killed off. They, there's a lot of room for them to make her even more compelling character in relation to her family. So I want to see what happens with her. Luthen, we know, is never mentioned or seen in anything after this. So he's not even in Rogue One. So you have to imagine he's probably going to be dead by then. So I imagine she's going to, Mom Moth will end up taking over for Luthen at some point. And I want to see more Saw because I can never get enough of Force Whitaker. So that's what I want. But you think Mom Moth is going to become the new Axis? 
instead of Luther. I think it's very likely, but for sure, I believe she's going to be either fall from grace as a public figure or just going to be like hunted, I think. Okay. All right. And what about you, David? Yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to think about it. I didn't know they were getting season two until about, you know, 30 minutes ago, but... Uh... Sorry to be the one to spring the news on you. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's fine. It's not not bad news. Uh, I, I hope that they can keep the pacing from the last three episodes of the show going, keep that momentum, because I think if th this is sort of their last chance to, to get it right. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say for Deirdre, or Deirdre, whatever her name was, uh, she, I, I, I think she's probably the, the most predictable things for her to get even more hardcore now that she's actually been exposed to the violence. Uh, and probably Cyril will... Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. Cyril Khan, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, good, yeah. Yeah, Cyril... Again, the predictable thing is he would probably get brought into the ISB after saving her... Mm. sort of thing so see that yeah i mean and we'll, we'll see like in what what way of course we have our our mole in the isb now and and then that was an excellent reveal i thought that, lonnie that, yeah yeah mm -hmm. like seeing more of him and sort of how he has to deal with being a mole and the the balancing act he has to do and that versus his concern for his family um you know we're gonna i think we're gonna see the empire crack down even more and like as was the theme you know, the more the empire cracks down, the more people become angry, and actually, the bigger the rebellion gets. That's what Luthen wants, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of Luthen's idea. It's like, yeah, you know, like there's going to be a massacre. Good, it'll make the rebellion even bigger. Um, so yeah, I think uh, yeah, Mon Moth, but yeah, I think we need to have sort of her mask off moment where, uh, and maybe it could even be Deidre is the one to 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 pick up on that and expose her, and then mm -hmm. she has to escape in time. I'm I'm just spitballing here. I like uh, that. Yeah, for, for for like yeah for the the Andy Circus character like if you did survive like also just like where do you go after you've escaped from prison in the Empire? You can't exactly just go right back home. Like they're going to find you again and put you back in jail. Like pretty much all those all the escaped convicts were pretty much if they could get off the planet, you know like they were pretty much guaranteed like the the rebellion is the only place for you because everywhere else you're you're a fugitive. So. That could be interesting and even that sort of like i finally got out of prison and now here i am in an army fighting a battle that i don't even want to fight or maybe they do like maybe the you know the the jail you know experience uh for lack of a better term radicalize them yeah especially mm -hmm. when you think of like cassian like I, I thought it was so brilliant that cassian he get, he doesn't get arrested because they expose him as as uh, as you know like staging the the the, the robbery it, it's just because he was like walking across the street to a shop and then the trooper's like you what are you doing he's like i'm going to the shop you're sweaty why are you sweating it's hot outside don't you give me that lip you've been running haven't you only guilty people run it's like but, but i quiet stay in even the judge at the trial was just like yeah six years it's like but don't you want to hear my defense like that's speaking back to the court of you know <laughs> i'll find you in contempt and you know it's just like all these just people in the lowest on the lowest rungs of of, of the society who are just doing their jobs, quote unquote, and they're just making an absolute mess of things. 
Um, that courtroom scene was also really hard to sit through. I yeah. and I'm just gonna say it. I was that was so much of a kangaroo court. I'm surprised yeah. that they didn't have the judge be a kangaroo like alien. I was literally <laughs> expecting yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we're not going for like, subtlety here. Like writing on the wall, but it's still scary, you know, that she Absolutely. says, Oh, that's usually a six month sentence. Okay, six years. So changing guidelines. And part of me was actually one, it's like, was there a real change in guidelines, or are you just deciding to let your aggression out on this guy? I, I think it was a real changing guidelines because yeah, they mentioned that at the ISB yeah. meeting in an earlier mm -hmm. scene that they were just clamping down on everything following the uh yeah following the, the robbery and it does a great job of uh, like uh, again like they have that great line when he's, he's reading for the manifesto is well, I don't think it's the manifesto but he sort of says like you know, if, if they're so powerful why are they afraid of of you know like even the, the smallest thing you know you know I, I I like we had like the the uh the Imperials on Cricks or whatever the planet was like going absolutely total total militant you know martial law state over a funeral oh ferrix yeah ferrix mm -hmm. that was it yeah it's like it's a funeral guys just yes there's going to be a marching band it's not an attack like if you guys just shut up and let them do their thing everyone would have gone home now, speaking uh, of the arrest, though, that did give mm -hmm. us the uh, there was one thing I do. I did forgot. I had this written down. I can't believe I forgot to mention it was that originally Alan Tudyk was announced as reprising his role of uh, K2SO, the droid from Rogue One. And yeah. we see models of that droid assisting mm -hmm. in the crackdown on the tourist. Yeah. And it's like, did he say hang, hang? <laughs> so like, tell him you met once like that. Again, it's like there was humor in that, but it was also legit scary. Yeah, sure. maybe we'll get maybe we'll get K2SO's uh, origin story. Uh, I think about the the final thought is uh, like why why does the Empire even use stormtroopers? They can't shoot anything, and like they collapse if their helmet is hit by anything bigger than a door. Doesn't Cassian even make a joke about that when they're in the prison scene? He's like, why don't they use droids? Why are they using us for labor when they should be using droids? He one and they, guy one explains it that they're actually it's actually cheaper just to keep them than droids because oh, like right yeah. they give them like this like gruel basically it just, it's very nutritious has no flavor whatsoever because i was wondering that too i'm like aren't isn't droid aren't droids just easier but apparently no like live creatures that you just keep pumping full of nutrients or whatever the gruel slop is like no that's actually somehow cheaper than using the droids and then we have like that great reveal later on where like because you're the whole time you're thinking they're just making some like I don't know some kind of auto factory kind of part or something, and then I thought it was like an Imperial Walker type part or something. Yeah, it looked like the foot, right? Kind of like, like yeah, the clamp yeah, it had right? lots like of joints foot. on it. Mm -hmm. It did, and then we have like the reveal. We're like, no, they're parts of the Death Star, and like to realize that he's now complicit in creating. I mean, taking part of the construction. He's like a cog. He's like a gear, like a cog in the machine, kind of doing that. I love how that kind of just makes his whole event what actually happens in Rogue One kind of a little, a little more poetic. I think I, I love how it's he's kind of like redeeming himself by like sacrificing himself for the yeah. thing that he's complicit in creating in the first place. But in the end, the prison did kill him. Mm -hmm. Yep. That post credit scene was a really great reveal because uh, just to raise a hand, who here watching the prison scene actually did ask, what the hell are they building? Yeah, yeah I knew exactly what they were yeah. building. Oh really, Mr. Oh, Spock? Yeah. You you do a did, was it spoiled for you or did you did you were you able to guess? I, I was able to guess. Um, if you know anything about Star Wars, then you know that Star Wars is poetry, and it repeats itself. So it would only be poetic for him to be building parts for the Death Star. That's true. That's a good point. 
Very yeah, the true. actual Death Star reveal didn't really surprise. He's like, oh boy, who would have thought that they were making the Death Star when they were making the Death Star? <laughs> That's what shows exactly. why they needed to keep making so many of those. Because it's not just the Death it's the attachments for the reflectors that are going to build the like the, the, the like, radar. Yeah. The I, I don't know. I don't know engineering. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah the, the, I think it's like a parabolic dish. But yeah, the, the dish that for the super laser or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was a really great scene with just the parts lining up symmetrically. Very Wes Anderson-esque, but I really liked it. All right, is there anything else that anyone wants to talk about with Andor? Is there anything I forgot? Was there any scenes that really stuck out to you that you want to discuss? Uh, Mr. Spock, if you would be so kind, is there anything uh, you want to add on? Um, not really. Uh, I think... Actually, yes, I do. Fiona Shaw as Marva, she's another phenomenal actor in this, especially her last speech that she gave in the hologram where she says, fight the bastards. And that the bastards that she says, the word bastards as it comes out was just so powerfully heartfelt. Like it's easy to do anger, but she really stepped up above and beyond with that specific word in that moment. And that right there made me go, that's why they're fighting this fight. Why they are the spark that ignites the flame that takes down the Empire. Absolutely. Fun fact, I was I was checking IMDB for a little, uh, sec, uh, little tidbits, uh, see if there's anything that I wanted to talk about on the show. Um, and one of the things I said was apparently that line was not fight the Empire, it was Fuck, Fuck the, the Empire. Empire. Yeah. And because yeah. I, I guess they thought now that they can do more adult stuff on Disney Plus with the parental settings and all, they're like, maybe we can get away with just one little F bomb. And they said, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got like, away with shit. There's an interview with uh, Gilroy. I forgot with who, if it was Hollywood Reporter or who, but where he talks about like in the beginning, like in the start where they do have like the brothel, like he, that was him just trying to see how far he could get away with pushing mm -hmm. like no one he's mm -hmm. like no one no we couldn't do it so we did like the brothel thing like the implications of everything but yeah like the f word like i guess that was just too far that was just a step too far it kind of reminds me of our discussion on uh werewolf by night we were just like so g and gino just wanted to see how far he could push the buttons with the oh, gore yeah, with right the yeah 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 <laughs> all right um okay david is there anything else you want to talk about uh yeah again i think if they it, like the show felt a lot to me like they sort of came to disney's like okay we've got this great and or show that explains some of the beginnings of the rebellion through Cassian Andor and we've got like five episodes written it's going to be beautiful it's like okay can you do 12 uh but we wrote five so we'll stretch it out to 12 it's like oh, okay that that again that that is the show's biggest uh issue I found and I kind of like some of the earlier events like the flashbacks I found didn't really add to the show like does anyone care about Cassian's sister Anyone remember Cassian was looking for his sister That's at the beginning true. of the show? That was completely abandoned after yeah, they, they, they dropped that one. second, third episode. I yeah. can't remember. And, and did yeah. it really matter what planet Cassian's from, that he was some sort of native of the planet and got abducted? And like that, it didn't really seem to go anywhere. You could have just done the show of like, yeah, that's his mom. It's just, this is, he was born on this planet originally. And like, you, you could have, I think if they had been able to, sort of truncate thing by merging about two to every two to three episodes. I, I think they would have been able to get a lot of the, the story through the show a lot faster. Cause again, like once you look at what's actually in the show as a whole, there's a lot of really great stuff here. 
Like I, I see that it took me to get to the end of the show to see it, but it's just, yeah, if you're, if you're coming in cold, it's just, it is so hard to really get, get the momentum up to the point where you're, you're interested in like, just again, compare that to like the first episode of game of Thrones, which I think the show is very much trying to be sort of the star Wars version of game of Thrones. You know, I, I you were, you were hooked from the moment that kid hit the ground. Oh, okay. It's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Andrew. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to mention uh, was just how I think for the first time, at least for me, at least the empire really did feel scary for once because in every other kind of medium that we've seen the empire, they, I mean, not to make light of the death star, you know, gen- mass genocide, of course is a bad thing, but they always kind of just felt like very, I don't know, not, not cartoony, but like, you know, like the, hold your fire like oh there's no life like oh like, you, like they just seem very yeah, kind hold of our fire what are we being paid by the laser <laughs> yeah the I'm just, i do i'm used to the empire just being kind of like the butt end of a joke sort of and here for the first time they really do feel menacing like i keep thinking of like the isb which is like this like how they're very bureaucratic and it's like very it seems like for the most part, like it, it just seemed very menacing. Whereas before, like we only ever saw like Tarkin, like that was like the one person, and everybody else below them, like Admiral Piet, and everybody else was just like very bumbling, kind of just they just mess up all the time. But here, like the like uh, like David mentioned earlier, like how Andor gets caught not for the heist, but for just being like an access, like not even an accessory. He just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like that is very scary. As as someone who I like to think I obey traffic laws, whenever I see a police officer behind me, I am hyper aware of what I am doing. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just very nervous. So I can imagine. So like that was relatable to me to just being like in the wrong place. And like, you kind of just like, and we see Andrew kind of like panicking. He's like me, like, no, I wasn't running. Like, like he, that's a very human response to an authority figure where you're kind of just oh, like yeah. bubbling and fumbling over what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, of course I'm sweating. You're making me nervous just because you're you. <laughs> exactly right and i'm thinking of uh like the court scene where like he can't eat like it's already kind of like you said the kangaroo court's very rigged and then him going to the prison and he's he's locked away from anybody he knows and like how they be dangling this carrot of like just go you know just be a good person do what you gotta do and you get out of here and then that reveal that heartbreaking reveal that then you just get recycled back into the system again just on a different level how there is no hope and just all of that just is very terrifying in a way that like a death star with a laser and you know it's not the same thing so um kudos on them for making the empire seem much more menacing than what i've ever seen before so well, because it's more relatable absolutely you know that's this i don't think any of us could ever you know see ourselves in a world where you know the government's going to destroy our planet with a laser but you're absolutely exactly. right, Andrew. When we see a cop with the lights behind us, we go, we all go into fight or flight. Our adrenaline kicks in, and it's like, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? We all have that. Oh, we all have the... our moments when a cop has talked to us, and I've I've had a couple of cases where I talked to a cop about something, and I'm fumbling my words, and he's just like, "Why are you so nervous?" I'm like, "I have anxiety disorder. You're a cop, okay? This exactly. is just the way it's gonna work, you know." But yeah, you come across as guilty, and it's scary. And then the the waterboard, not the waterboarding, but it's kind of reminds me of waterboarding. The whole like, we're gonna put this sensory deprivation device where you're gonna hear the wails of a dying children, like alien race, and it's basically like it's just like like a black op kind of thing. We're just gonna put it on. No one's gonna know what's going on. And like, 
I, th- I, I think I'm a, I'm a history major, so I love history. But like all of this stuff just reminds me of things that are real. Even the whole funeral procession where we see like they're showing up with like shields and stuff. It's like they're not they're not they're not being coy about the whole like militarization kind of like parallel. And it's like compared to like ATATs and Death Stars and all that stuff. Like this is like the most I guess like I, like Alexa said, it's, it's you can draw the parallels and it feels very scary for that reason. Absolutely. It's like, like the most scary villain from Harry Potter isn't Voldemort. It's Voldemort's a cartoon Umbridge. character. It's Umbridge because Umbridge is real. <laughs> exactly. We all know someone like that. In Umbridge, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, season two is going to drop uh, not next year, but the year after that. We years. will hopefully be discussing that when it mm-hmm. happens. Uh, as far as the rest of TV party tonight here on uh, the Rattleton Broadcasting Network, uh, I need to uh, double check our schedule because hopefully we will be back here soon to discuss the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So we all get to talk about uh, Kevin Bacon officially watching Santa Claus versus the Martians, which is going to just go down as a monumental moment in bad movie history as far as I'm concerned uh till then uh we will also be back here before too long to discuss the uh upcoming second half of the second season of resident alien going back to what we said about k2so the world needs more alan tudyk and i don't think anyone here is going to disagree with me and we will also be coming back to discuss the third and final season of his dark materials which premieres tonight i think if i've got my dates lined up I forgot that show existed. It's the final season. It's and good. I love the books. I love the books. So I need to it's watch that. really good. Mark and I reviewed the last two seasons. We've had a lot to talk about. So really looking forward to it. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into plugs. Uh, do I have any volunteers who would like to go first? I'll go first. Mine's real easy. Uh, Vincent Van Spock on YouTube and uh, TikTok. All right. Yeah, I've been seeing some of your videos. You've been, uh, you want, actually, I would love if you tell us about those Star Wars cards. Oh, yeah. I I would, it's it's on topic. Tell us about them. So I have a deck of Star Wars words of affirmation cards. I got them while doing therapy lately. And they, there's four of them in there there's guidance, affirmation, um, an activity. And one more, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I draw one from each pile, read it out loud, and then I will ring a singing bowl, a Tibetan singing bowl, to send the words out into the universe and hopefully bring them to light and bring them true. And honestly, just in doing this small thing every day, my mental health has gone from here to here. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot better. I also wear my Jedi robe, and I've shown off my Jedi tattoo as well and uh so yeah it's it's a lot of fun to do these that's cool love that and i love the idea of the star wars affirmation cards that is great all right um andrew you want to tell us what's going on with geek news now sure yeah so i'm a staff writer over on geek news now i mostly just write about video game news and video game reviews uh, occasionally a star wars article here or there uh, I also have a Star Wars uh, YouTube show. It's not a podcast because you're not on po- any podcast services, but it is a YouTube show called uh, My Star Wars Show. It wasn't my idea to name it that. That's my co-host, co-host idea uh, on YouTube. You can find it. We actually, I'm glad that Vance Spock mentioned that because we did an episode about the spirituality of Star Wars. There's a lot of great stuff in there. 
uh, a couple of months ago. So check that out if you are interested. And I also have a actual podcast that I myself make with my best friend called uh, Duo Sense, where we talk about video game news, video games we play, video game reviews kind of stuff. We have like the video game awards coming up this week, later this week. So we're going to do a great episode right after we watch that. And so, yeah, check out. Uh, Duo Sense is D-U-O-S-E-N-S-E. You can find that on all major uh, podcast services. All right, excellent. Uh, David Wright, uh, how much have you sold your soul to Mark Rattledge for the rest of the month? Um, I'm more into leasing, actually, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I've only got the Avatar 2 review with uh, with Mark. I yeah, sorry. I said Mark flat out, it. I'm not jumping in on that. I refuse to go see that movie. Sorry. Really? No worries. Oh, David will confirm this based on the network chats. I hate oh, James the first. Well, I just hate the first Avatar movie. Oh, okay. Now, no, the crap that James Cameron's been saying lately. I saw your Facebook comments. Yeah. Yeah, it has really pissed me off. I No, yeah. I just can't stand the first Avatar movie, so I'm not seeing the sequel. Oh, okay. It's just Dances with Wolves. <laughs> no, it's Fern Gully. Oh, no, wait, it's Pocahontas. Oh, no, wait, it's all three. Last Samurai, anyone? Oh, I love Last Samurai, but yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like Tom Cruise. That's the thing. <laughs> Fair enough. So just uh, Way of Water. That's all we got for you, man. Uh, yeah, I'll probably try and pop into the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special or Resident Alien if I can find the time. Excellent. All right. As soon as we get those uh, scheduled, then I'll uh, pull you in. But uh, anything else we can uh, find you on or... No, I, I'm pretty much not on social media that much. It, it does wonders for the productivity. <laughs> You're the lucky one. I try. <laughs> All right. And as far as when I am not bending over backwards for Mr. Radulich, uh Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. We just wrapped up our big Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale, but our charity drive is still going on. Up until Christmas Day, if you place an order for one of our online stores that you can find through either Etsy or Handmade at Amazon, for each order placed, we will be donating $5 to uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Wow. Uh, we're already getting a ton. This has been a record-breaking year for orders, so we're really excited. I'll be announcing the total amount on Christmas Day on how much we will be donating uh, we've got tons of, if you're a fan of Andor, we've got a ton of Star Wars and sci-fi themed jewelry. If that's not your cup of tea, we got anime related jewelry. We've got horror related jewelry. We got tons of superhero related jewelry. We got all the fandoms you can imagine. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and under duress Twitter. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. And I just realized maybe I should have actually flipped this over to the right screen to hit the end theme. I've left this on the comments page for too long. <laughs> I didn't have the right button ready to go. So for Mr. Vance Pock, for Andrew Orozco, for David Wright, I'm Alexis Hanna saying be well, be safe, behave.